Good morning. The reading this morning is from the 119th Psalm. The 119th Psalm is the longest Psalm, 176 verses, which also makes it the longest chapter in the Bible. The 119th Psalm is also an acrostic, meaning every eight verses starts with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And today we're reading the section that starts with Bet, which is verses 9 through 16. How can a man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Skip. Again, Acts, it's good to be with you guys today. We're going to start off as we do uh, with some prayer. I invite you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, you're a good God. You are a God who has plans for your children, each and every one of us individually, but also as a family and as a community and as a world. Lord, and so as we continue to explore what it looks like to be formed by you, Lord, I pray that you open our eyes to new rhythms, new ways of life uh, for us as individuals, but us as families as well. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Again, guys, it's great to be with you. We are in the second week of a series called Formed by God. And this is really coming out of both that mission and heart, that goal that we want new rhythms in each and every household by the end of the year but also a recommitment to our mission as a church. We exist to equip and send followers of Jesus to bless their communities. Equip, send, bless. We want you to be equipped by God to be more like him, to reflect him, than to be sent out to your workplaces and your schools and your neighborhoods and your families. That the impact that you have is the same impact that Jesus had. Where everywhere Jesus went, things got better. Everywhere we go as his kids, we want things to get better. Equip, send, bless. And our belief as a church is if we can do those three things, those three actions, and literally in a circular pattern, right? You get equipped to get sent out. You're out in the world. You're being a blessing. You realize you are woefully unequipped for how broken the world is. You come back into the church and we keep going on and on and on, right? We believe that if we do that, our people will reflect Christ, and our community partners, Acts of Love, Baghdad, your neighbor, your coworker, that they'll flourish, that they'll be better off, that they'll have an opportunity to see about a God who loves them and cares for them. And so the series, Formed by God, is our shot, not one, but our first stab at that. And how are we formed? How are we equipped? Today we're going to be talking about our minds, and it's not just our minds of how we're equipped. No, we're equipped through action. We're equipped through our behavior. We're going to talk about that next week. We're equipped through our witness and how we act. But certainly what we think shapes who we are. And we live in a rather unique time in history where we kind of have a build-your-own-adventure. So i got to go this way. Right? Have you guys ever read those books, Pick Your Own Adventure? Right? You'd open them up. And you start off and you could say, you can either go on the boat or you can go uh, into the mountains. 
And if you said you wanted to go on a boat, you'd go one way. And if you went to the mountains, you went another way. And it would tell you, go to page 3 or go to page 15. And then you would read a little bit, and then it would say, okay, now do you want to go with the bandits, or do you want to fight the dragon? And you would go on and on and on. And you could literally read through your own story. You'd close the book. And you could do it all over again, pick a brand new adventure. That's where we are as a society. We are in the time of build your own adventure. You know, 50, 60 years ago, if you were to have a TV and you were to turn it on, there were three stations you could pick from, right? ABC, NBC, CBS. And, and now, each of those has sub-channels, right? We have hundreds, if not thousands, of TV channels, but then also YouTube channels, Spotify accounts. We literally get to pick and form our own adventure. But as we talk about how we act as Christians, and what is the role of church in that, picking our own adventure. Certainly, you guys all did that with this church, right? You, we're not the only church in town. There are other churches that are out there, bigger churches, smaller churches, different denominations of churches. That's all good, right? But you, you picked this one. But the reality is, almost any church you go to is going to get one or two hours out of your waking week. I think I did the math. It was 114 hours if you get eight hours of sleep a week. If you're a parent, you get less hours of sleep a week, so it might be more, but it might not be your best time, right? especially after spring forward. None of us are sleeping in the way we wanted. But if you think about that, over 100 hours you are awake. In church, one to two, maybe three hours a week, coming and singing and, and meeting with people, listening to messages, hearing scripture, Maybe going to an acts group, right? But it's a handful of hours. And yet, what we see in Scripture is God doesn't want just a handful of hours in our life. Instead, God calls his disciples, his children, as we read in Psalm 119, to meditate and to be immersed in what God is doing 24 hours to realize that every moment God has something for you. And that doesn't mean we have to over-spiritualize or hyper-spiritualize every single event. How are you doing today? I am blessed by God. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that. But it's realizing that in any moment, God's with you. In any moment, you are called to love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself, whether you're trying out a new restaurant or you're at a football game or you're mowing your lawn you're driving, all of those moments, God has something for us. Right? So if you think about those 100 plus hours in a week, each and every one of us will end up curating those voices that we're going to hear and listen to. And if we live in the age of pick your own adventure, how we do that right, is we decide what places we are going to go to listen. We decide what TV we're going to watch, we decide what accounts we're going to follow on social media. We decide who we're going to listen to in the radio. We all curate voices. And those voices that we curate disciple us. To be a disciple meant to study under someone so you could be like someone else. And every voice we listen to is discipling us one way or another. That's the reality of the situation. There are no neutral voices in the world. They're all trying to draw something out of us. The question is, okay, 
If everything we do is teaching us something, if we're learning something, if we're immersing ourselves in it to become like something else, what are we as God's kids? What's our rubric? How do we do that? And I spent a lot of time this week kind of thinking through what would be a framework to look at this question. And I ended up on two separate choices. One could be the framework of love God with all your heart, your mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And those are two really good frameworks. The reason why those are good is because Jesus says these are the two big laws. If you only get two things right, these are two because they will literally encompass everything else. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. Those are good frameworks to look at the world. But my hope was to, to move a little bit more nuanced into, okay, what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love our neighbor? Because love can be somewhat generic in how we talk about it. And the verse that really sat on my heart comes from Micah 6, 8. And God says to his people this, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. God tells us what's required of us. He tells us the end goal. And I'm a big fan of reverse engineering our lives. So, what does it look like to curate a life under that model of what the Lord requires of us? To find those voices that are going to bring that out and to remove the voices that derail us. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to use those three categories. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Because each of those three words, each of those three actions, those verbs give us nuance and understanding of how we are called to follow. So let's start off with this. What does the Lord require of you to act justly? That word justly comes from the word justice in Hebrew. And justice in Hebrew meant biblical outcomes. So when we talk about justice, typically in America, in writing, we're talking about retributive justice. So if someone steals from me, Right? I get my stuff back, and there is some kind of penalty or punishment for the person who stole from me. Right? Now, that is a small part of justice in the Old Testament. It is justice, right? Someone does wrong, there is some retribution or punishment to them. But what we see in the Old Testament is justice is so much bigger than an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, when we talk about justice, when we talk about righteousness, it's talking about biblical outcomes, heavenly outcomes. So in heaven, no one starves. So a biblical outcome here on earth is no one starves. In heaven, everyone is in community. No one is ostracized. So a biblical outcome is that no one is ostracized. In heaven, everyone has a place. Everyone has a purpose that they get to contribute and to be a part. And they don't just receive, but they get to give as well, which is a biblical outcome. In heaven, we don't separate ourselves by what skin color we have or what language we speak. 
or what background we have. And so a biblical outcome is that we are united and we have an opportunity to see each other's differences for the beauty that there is, learn from them, and they get to learn from us. You see, that is what God is calling his children to. That is what it looks like to act justly. It's to celebrate and advocate and to fight for those things and to listen to voices that help us get there. This comes from Isaiah 116. It's one of my favorite passages. Wash yourselves and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong and instead learn to do right. Seek justice. Seek biblical outcomes. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Do you see, see the action verbs there? So what do we do? How do we find voices that do that? We stay up to date on what's happening in our community, what's happening in our world, but specifically where you can have an impact. Because there's a lot of injustice in this world, right? That's easy. The news screams it, social media screams it. But to focus our attention on where we can actually act. So we're not just getting upset for getting upset terms, but instead we target where we look to the areas that we can actually impact and bring biblical outcomes into situations. And sometimes that's just praying for a situation. But oftentimes it's acting in that situation. It's realizing, oh, there is a literacy problem in this community. We know in heaven, everyone's going to have equal access to that stuff, so we want to lean into that area. Or this community's hungry. Or, oh, there's some moms that aren't able to graduate high school. What is seeking justice for them, biblical outcomes for them, starting things like acts of love and loving on those families? Knowing what's happening in your community, but then leaning into the areas that you can actually make an impact. Next, what does the Lord require of you to love mercy? That word mercy is big in the Old Testament. It comes from the word hesed. And it describes the character of God. It's the word most often used for the character of God. And it is this loving, all-encompassing, all-pursuing compassion Hesed is why God sent Jesus. Because he saw a broken world where we rebelled, where we were like kids kicking and screaming and hitting. And his Hesed said, I love you, I care for you. And that compassion drove him to act. When we talk about Hesed, when we talk about the compassion and the character of our God, that's what we're looking at. And it's this ever expanding love. It doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to love my family or I'm going to love this community or I'm going to love people who are like me. No, it goes out of its way to stretch and to wrap its arms around everyone, to love mercy. And I'm going to tell you right now, Hasid love is not very natural to our sinful condition. Our sinful condition says if they're like me, if they can get something for me, then I will love them. It's very much a retributive 
Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but with love, with blessing, with care. That is not what we're getting at here. And Christians have got this wrong for a long time. So if you, like me, experienced the 90s and the early 2000s, Christianity got into what we literally called culture warriors. Do you remember that? Does anyone else remember culture warriors? Right? And the idea was simple, that the culture, that the world was bad, and the way how we were going to fix it was we were going to go to war with the culture. And we were going to come up with our own culture to replace what the world was doing, because the world was broken, the world was bad, the world was damaged. And this came out in all kinds of weird ways. We came up with our own superheroes. We had Bible Man. How many of you guys remember Bible Man? Right? Right? Uh... We definitely did not like secular music. I was talking to one of our elders a couple weeks ago, and he literally had a burn your secular CDs youth group night where they all went and they literally burned their CDs because it was from the world and we were at war with the world. And we thought we could win the war. We thought Jesus had sent us to war. And the problem with that was it wasn't how Jesus... Jesus could have went to war when he came. He could have went to war with Pilate. He could have went to war with the Pharisees. He certainly had disagreements with them. But he still had Hesed for them. He still loved them. And what ended up happening is when we went to war, we created a culture of war profiteering. Do you guys realize that the loudest voices in any tribe, profit when we like and share and watch their content. Literally, they make money. And it is big business. Big billion dollar business. And it's everywhere. And do those voices give us hesed for one another? When we listen to them, when we consume them, are we more compassionate to someone who's different than us? Or do we create a bigger monster that we're against? This is what Jesus had to say about stuff like that. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Oh my gosh, do we hear that a lot, don't we? Here are the good guys and here are the bad guys. Love them and hate them. But I tell you, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Why? Because he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous because God has hesed love for them. Whatever group that most irritates you, that you think they're the reason why our country or our world or your school is broken, God has Hesed love for them. He wants you to have Hesed love for them. There is a pastor, Andy Stanley. He's out of uh, Georgia. And he had the opportunity to go and speak to the Georgia State House. He had 15 minutes. Really good. It's, uh, it's on YouTube. 
uh, really just Jesus-filled content, but he, he had these words to them. And he said, those of you who pander and foster to division, you are terrible leaders. If you need an enemy to lead, you're a poor leader. He said, disagreement is natural and it's helpful, but division and disunity literally are corrupting our country. And forget about our country, it's corrupting us as God's kids. And God has something better for us. He has Hesed love for us to seek. And so, when we talk about curating voices, find the ones that will help you love and empathize with your enemies. Find the voices that don't demonize whoever the other is. And the ones that do, turn them off. Stop listening to them. Stop watching them. Stop talking about them in small groups because, well, I don't want this to be online, but with this person, they know. Instead, seek the voices, and it's hard, y'all, but they are out there, that teach Hesed love, that there's levels of compassion where even when there is real disagreement, and y'all, we have some real disagreement that we've got to work through in this country. I am not saying we all just got to come together and have a kumbaya moment. That was not who our Jesus was. But instead, to seek those voices that help us empathize and bring out Hesed love in us, that we can be better communicators, that we can be better reflections of who our God is and what our God is doing because through that, we get to move towards those biblical outcomes that I know each and every one of you in this church believe in. That I know each and every one of you in your church joined this place because of things like Acts of Love or Sending Sundays or Costa Rica because we wanted to see biblical outcomes. This is how we do it. This is how we let God form us to be more like him. You know, O oh mortal, what is good, what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To realize that day in, day out, God wants to wrap his arms around you. That day in, day out, when you're sitting at your computer, when you're scrolling through Facebook, when you're having a tough conversation with a child, when you're scared, he wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you in each and every moment. And y'all, that's awesome. The God of the universe. The guy who created everything. The guy who created you and your kids and your neighborhood and this world. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. He wants a relationship with you, breathing in, breathing out. So when those challenges come, you know you're not alone. And when those mountaintop experiences happen, you have someone to celebrate with and to give thanks to. You have a God who wants a relationship with you all, and that is good news. You're not alone. Because seeking justice, loving mercy by ourselves, that's really hard. 
But when you have a God who specializes it and says, I want to walk with you, I want to form you, I want to teach you, then y'all, that is the secret sauce that allows us to be change agents in this world. When the world is literally tearing itself apart, we get to be agents of reconciliation and folks are like, why are you doing this? Why are you acting this way? Why aren't you getting absorbed in the chaos and the whirlwind? And we get to say, because y'all, I get to walk with my God in this. And he specializes in chaos. He specializes in the hurricane and making beautiful things out of it. We sang that song, you make beautiful things out of the dust, you make beautiful things out of us. And that becomes a testimony for us. And so we immerse ourselves and our households in the story of Scripture. And so part of this, right, we have, if we talk about building your own adventure, we also have more access to the Bible in more ways than any generation before us, and it's not even close, right? In my phone alone, I have like 50 different translations in English of the Bible, we have resources like the Bible Project, where if you're ever like, that's a weird book. There are a lot of weird books. The Bible Project is a great opportunity to watch and to listen. So, so we read Scripture, but it's not just about reading Scripture. It's about understanding the narrative, the story of a God who loves this broken world, and how to see that story playing out in our lives. So that when something good happens... We remember we have a God who provides daily bread. We have a God that is worthy of our praise and our celebration. And, and when something rough happens, we get to speak and remember that narrative too, that we live in a broken world and sometimes things are bad and it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to hurt. But we don't mourn like those who have no hope, as Paul says. Instead, because we know the story, we know where to apply the story. And so we get to teach our kids and we get to teach ourselves and our family and our community that our God's not done yet. That, that yeah, this section of the story may be hard. Sickness or division or anger, but it's not the end of the story. And so when we talk about how do we walk humbly with our God, it's not just reading scripture, but it's letting scripture narrate our life. Teach us who we are. Remind us the story that we're in. That as we're formed by that story, we get to participate in it. Because if you know what part of the story you're in, you know what biblical outcomes look like. If, if you know what part of the story you're in, it's easier to apply hesed when you see someone who's hurting a community or has hurt you. And so we find ways, we find rhythms to bring that story into our life. Whether it's reading scripture, whether it's listening to songs that remind us. We find ways to help teach and to help form us. And as we do that, we get to walk with our God. And we realize he's been there the whole time, even when we didn't realize it. Even when we were acting out even when we were not participating in Hesed love, or we weren't really interested in biblical outcomes, but our own selfish wants. He was there too. But we get to act differently. We get equipped. And then we get sent. 
And then we get to see blessings happen. And then we're better equipped. And we're better sent. And bigger blessings happen. See, that, that's the God that we have. It's the promise that we have. That's what it looks like to be formed by God as we curate what we listen to. Joel, pray with me. God, you are good, even when we're not. Lord, you are good even when our own actions reflect us rebelling against biblical outcomes or Hesed love. Lord, we come before you in confession that we're still works in progress, that we can still live out of the sin that creeps up so easily. But Lord, we are bold to confess because you are a God who specializes in hesed, mercy, love, and forgiveness, Lord. And you wrap your arms around us, you clean us, you purify us, and then you send us out to be agents of reconciliation, agents of biblical justice, agents of hesed love. Lord, we pray that you continue to help shape us and mold us and to have the honesty of the voices that aren't helping us be more like you and put in voices that do. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. We continue with worship.